Oh dear. <laughs> I, I better put that one on mic. Daniel and Brian, you know, that would work very well, actually, particularly if you had Daniel switching genders in the middle of the act. <laughs> the only, the, you know, it, as intriguing as the idea is, I'm pretty sure that, that Brian Watson, who voices the character, will hunt me down and kill me. <laughs> <laughs> He's too straight for that, huh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, don't be too sure of, of your actor's unwillingness to play uh, gay characters. Uh, earlier this year, um, Dan and I did a, a short film that started with a straight couple and the actress who we had cast for the wife in it had to bail because of an auto accident or... On the way to the set. On the way to the set. Wow. Um, we had one day. And we had one day available to shoot. So we looked at the, the story and I said, who says that these two have to be straight? We're in San Francisco. Yeah, stay in the mic. I, I, looked at this, I, I looked at what we had and said, who says they have to be straight? We are in San Francisco. And so Dan called the actors and asked them if they were willing and it turned out that they were, so we did some re, some shuffling of the cast, and and one of the uh, secondary male characters ended up being the boyfriend. Hmm. And it actually worked really well. I'll have to show it to you. It's a, it's not quite all the way done yet because okay. it was supposed to be for Obsidian, and then it got buried under Antithesis, ah, <laughs> and yes. so it's like ninety percent done. So anyway, uh, in answer to your question abby um it is something that i'm aware of um you're not the first person to mention this issue to me um basically all i can say in my defense is that when i started writing more metamore city um i had made a conscious decision to start exploring issues that i hadn't explored in my writing before and one of those was um alternative sexualities and so I was sort of using Metamore City as an outlet for a lot of the things, the, the themes and issues that I wasn't able to address in the other um, settings in which I was writing at that time. And so a lot of the stories, the early um, stories, have that very um, sexual, very adult flavor um, and tend to deal a lot with alternative sexualities because... It was my outlet for all of this other stuff that I wasn't able to channel anywhere else. Um, that having been said, once I got into making the cut and started to realize um, with this vast panoply of characters how few of them were actually um, you know, androsexual, um, this was when I began to suspect that Morgan was actually my muse and that, <laughs> that I was getting my ideas from a bisexual vampire. But, <laughs> because I just, I end up writing, you know, these stories and then I look back at them and I'm saying, where are all of these bisexual char female characters coming from? But, um, so yes, I am aware of it. Um, I will point out a few things in my defense. One is that in making the cut, the only 
actual um, intercourse scene that we have is between a man and a woman, and it is from the woman's point of view. So um, that is that is something that I was deliberately trying to address uh, in that story was the imbalance of pretty much all of the sex being lesbian up until that point in the story. Um, the uh, the characters themselves tend to run a uh, a pretty broad spectrum on the uh, the you know the the Kiersey ratings. Uh, I would say that you mean the Kinsey scale. Kinsey on the Kinsey scale, uh, not Kiersey. Kiersey's personality. So the uh, yeah the characters the characters tend to follow a pretty broad uh, spectrum on the Kinsey scale. Uh, I would say that. Uh, Sasha and Fiona tend to be more towards the the lesbian side of things. Um, Rebecca is more towards the uh, androsexual side, and uh, Danny and Ava are pretty much in the middle. Um, and Morgan, of course, is pretty much smack dab in the middle. Because <laughs> Morgan is the middle. <laughs> Morgan is the middle. Morgan defines five on the Kinsey scale. <laughs> Uh, Actually, it's three. I think Kinsey's one to six. No, it's one to eight. One to eight. Zero to eight. I think that eight. was a later one. Okay. I'm thinking zero, the zero to eight, yeah, where five is the middle. Scale, I can't remember whose scale that is. No. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, so yeah. So she's right in the middle. Um, but yes, I am aware that uh, there has been a shortage of, as you say, man love in the stories. Um the uh I can't promise anything with with Daniel and Brian because <laughs> with me and my my best friend voicing the characters that oh, might be that's just a why little I've forgotten that Brian was your best friend in real life. Yeah, that might be a little weird. <laughs> and again, you could um uh in the, there's this one episode of Arbiter Chronicles where Stephen H Wilson and his best friend who played the voices played a love scene together. And, <laughs> and in the lead in the op, in the opening of the episode he says this has got to be the strangest recording experience I ever had. <laughs> I had to have Renee edit it. <laughs> Renee's his wife. <laughs> gotcha. I'm sure she was very happy to do so. <laughs> I'm sure she was. <laughs> but this is actually similar to a, an experience that you had in writing Antithesis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I got... Um, I've got a very strange set of um, of blinders on because I grew up in San Francisco, and for the last, probably the last 12 to 15 years, almost every woman I've known more than casually has been bisexual. It's, I don't know why that is, it's just happened. It might be because it's the area, it might be because... Um, I became sexual, sexually aware during the era of lesbian chic, and so women were more prone to be experimenting with it or what. But so my default mode you know, when, when I'm creating a character is, uh, of course she's bisexual unless I find out otherwise because I've got a selection bias that is really skewed towards a, very, towards a relatively statistically unlikely end of the spectrum. Um, so I was very deliberate in trying to work straight characters into antithesis. You know, Allie's straight and Jade is straight, um, and Cassie's bisexual and um, um, Brittany's a lesbian. Um, but in all this confusion, I never deliberately put in gay men. 
because I've been around gay men my whole life and I assumed they would just naturally appear in my story because they're part of the background noise in my life. But they didn't. <laughs> and I think part of the reason I didn't is I grew up in an evangelical church mm-hmm. and household where you know, we know those kinds of things happen and we're we're not homophobic, but we don't talk about it in polite society. Mm-hmm. And there's always been more of a bias against uh, right. gay men than there has been against lesbians. Right. And um, after what I'm about to tell you about happened, I realized that subconsciously that pressure to not talk about gay men was was still working on me. But uh, what happened, We got um, I got about uh, 200 pages into the rewrite, about the point where the podcast is right now, about episode 14. Um, and Kitty's reading through it, and she's like, where are all the gay men? She's like, I know you're not homophobic. Where are all the gay men? And I'm like, well, he's, no, uh, he's, no, shit, they're all straight. <laughs> well, it's like the moment that I had when uh, I think it was Sarah asked me, Sarah who plays Danny. She says, is there any woman in Metamore City who is not bisexual? <laughs> yeah. And I had to start and think. Um yeah, yeah, Kate. Kate is straight. Um, but but so, so so I'm sitting here. I'm going, holy shit! I'm halfway through the book, and I've had no gay men show up. And this is a future pluralistic world in which the points of contention are other than whose genitals we prefer to stroke when we're happy. And um, and so so I'm looking around, going, what can I do to salvage this situation without rewriting? And fundamentally, because the only gay the only gay guy I had up to that point was a woman in a refrigerator type of scenario. It was mm. Scott Walters who shows up in one scene, picks up one of the characters, and gets killed by him, which is not exactly you know. <laughs> For those of you who are not familiar with the women in refrigerators phenomenon, uh, look into do a Google search on comic books women there, in refrigerators. There, there's a Wikipedia article women in refrigerators. There you go. Um, but he was basically a woman in a refrigerator. And that wasn't a good way to start. Uh... Not so much. <laughs> so I'm looking around going, what the hell can I do? I'm, I'm, I'm screwed. I've written myself into a corner. So to speak. Right. <laughs> all, I'm buggered. All my, um... <laughs> all my main characters for this novel are spoken for. And if I change their, something as fundamental as their sexual orientation, it's going to throw off the character dynamic balance in the book because it's a character-driven book. I can't just have someone, you know, some one of the men be incidentally bisexual. You know, it's mm. got to affect who they are and how they do things and how the plot unfolds. And I did not want to replot at this point because I was writing the second draft written ten years after the first draft. I wanted to <laughs> write the second draft, do a polish, and be done. Then it occurred to me that I did need a whole cast of minor characters upon whom the major characters were acting. And up to that point in the book, we don't see a lot of the minor characters. And from that point forward, we see a lot of them. And that's by design. But I realized I could make the minor characters gay and then have some of them be promoted in the next book to major characters. But, and, uh, and, and Kitty was really giving me shit about this because she likes Slash. And so she's <laughs> like, I want to see the gay men. I want to see pe- see guys kissing. It's so hot. So... Uh, <laughs> I figured out that the reason that we hadn't seen any gay men was we hadn't been in the arts community where there are always lots of gay men. And the rest of them were in jobs where the risk of damage to one's fertility was so high that it wasn't economically – that most straight men wouldn't find the pay scale 
attractive. So it was a self-selecting sort of situation. So it was a self-selecting type of segregation that around which grew um, – which in, in any kind of self-selecting situation like that, you tend to have a very homogenizing culture. And part of that is the religion. And I thought, okay, so I need a gay religion. <laughs> and I remembered the secret gospel of Mark and the controversy around Morton Smith. So I came up with the Mortonites, and I introduced them with Volish, who is now my favorite character in the whole <laughs> book. Mine too. He is so I much love him. fun. And uh, I look at that character, and I think, oh, Dan must have had a blast writing this oh, guy. Oh, I so did. And by that time, I really needed to, because the plot's getting so thick. I just needed five or ten pages where I could cut loose with a character who was so different from everyone who we'd seen. <laughs> and he's different in every way. And so that's how I solved my, my lack of gay men problem, and... I'm not telling you who, but some of the Mortonites get promoted to major characters in subsequent books. Some of them die, and I'm not telling you who. (laughs) (laughs) And if you guys are not listening to Antithesis yet, why not? Didn't you listen to what I told you last episode? (laughs) Honestly, get with it, people. But yes, I mean, I'm the whole thing about self-selecting um, societies is a problem that I ran into with making the cut because mm. you've got here the whole the whole um, telepath society is focused on reproduction, and furthermore, because they understand how the brain works and they have the ability to manipulate it, they actually have the ability to alter orientation. And so there is a certain extent. Wait, 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 wait. They can alter orientation? Yes. You've got to play with this more. This I'm... is very promising in future stories. <laughs> yeah, I made a reference to it um, when uh, there's, a, there's a scene where um, Daniel and uh, Brian are hugging and Sasha comes into the room and is sort of snarking about it and, uh, you know, saying, you know, the whole this, the manly thumps on the back mean i love you man but not in that way and uh daniel turns around to her and says damn straight and she says yes you are but don't worry we can cure that now and one of <laughs> i love it one of my favorite lines by her in the entire i i love sasha she she just gets to be the voice of of my snark um but yes, there there is a certain extent to which the individuals in the telepath society there's a strong um reason for strong motivation for men to be you know for men who are uh, powerful enough to actually have a place in this society mm-hmm. to be a gynosexual and right. for women to be bisexual and if they're not they'll go get reprogrammed exactly that actually is one oh, part that could be a fun plot on something yes mm-hmm. that uh you'll you'll probably want to cut this out but that's that's a, an, that's, a, that's a really good idea for how how to introduce a gay character. Mm. Have one that have one of the male characters that that the rest of the group doesn't want to breed mm. be reprogrammed to be gay. 
Ooh. 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 That's, that would be nasty. <laughs> and an interesting inversion on the homosexual conversion therapy controversy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Anyways, you'll probably want, you should X that out. Oh, I, I, your choice. It's a, it's, it's, I, I, I like the, it, it is an interesting idea, and it's not anything that I currently have written into the story. But if anybody is listening to this feedback show, you've got a possible hint there of something that might happen <laughs> at some point in the future. Uh, but yeah, that that's I'm, I'm starting to, to play around with some thoughts, and, and yeah. Anyway, moving on. Um, but yeah, that is something that is par- actually part of Sasha's backstory that we didn't get into was mm. the fact that um, she actually had her herself, you know, she had not been part of the um, telepathic society and then was brought into it when she was like tw- um, 11 or 12. And that she chose to have her, her um, orientation restreamed from. Uh, straight to bisexual to make uh, it socially easier to make it socially themselves. easier and um, also to some extent for Fiona because she had gotten so attached to Sasha and was you know Sasha was like her first you know friend who who meant anything to her um, so that's a little bit of their their backstory that I would like to go back and do a short story about someday I don't know if I'll I'll ever get the chance but it would be pretty fun to do that would be fun um but yes, yeah, so the most of the characters, by their very nature, are going to tend to be more gynosexual in the you know the the sector of the um, metamorph city society that we're focusing on and making the cut. I have Kevin and his little relationship off on the side with with Stephen, but by their very nature, because they're outsiders within the collective and they're not really involved that much in what's going on, they're not in the center of the plot. And I couldn't find a way to work in any scenes with um, Kevin and Stephen that would have not been gratuitous. And the story, you know, this, the story has to come first. You have to keep things moving. So I apologize, Abby, for the uh, the lack of man love in uh, Metamorph City thus far. That term just cracks me. Man <laughs> love. <laughs> And we're going to take a quick break here so that I can refill my iced tea jar and play a promo, and we will be back with a little bit more feedback. 